We got two things to do here uh, this morning, um, and um, the first part is what you see um, behind you is um, God has burdened me um, to come to places like this and to encourage you to come to Iowa and plant churches. And uh, so I want to just take a few minutes uh, to tell you of our need um, in the state of Iowa. Is anybody from Iowa in here? Any students from Iowa? A couple. What? Where, where are you from? Okay. Same? All right. And then was there one back here? Same. Are you all from the same family? Okay. Mm. Yep. All right. Um, well, a lot of times we talk about church planning. Um, we talk about like the far west, and there is a, a, a large need out in the far west or, or the northeast. Um, and the reality is that the Midwest also has a need for churches. Um, even in Iowa, um, when, when the Lord uh, started burdening me about this, um, we got to doing some research, and it's amazing just how, how big of a need there is in the state of Iowa. Um, the state of Iowa is split by basically two interstates. You have I-35 that goes north and south, and then I-80 that goes east and west. And so there's a parallel highway, Highway 20, that runs east and west um, in Iowa, and, the, and, the, and above that is the top third of our state. So it's about 70 miles from Highway 20 to the border, and then about 300 miles. So the top third of our state's um, is there, and in that top third of our state, the population is, is approximately about 770,000 people in the top third of the state of Iowa. Um, Iowa's population is about 3 million, um, so just a little less than a third of our population is in there. There's three uh, large cities. There's um, Sioux City on the west with 170,000 in population, Waterloo toward the east with about 170,000, and then Dubuque on the east border with a population of about 96,000. So that leaves about 334,000 people in this top third of our state. Um, and we can literally, on this hand, count how many church Baptist, independent Baptist churches there are in that whole area, in the top third of the state of Iowa. And um, so it, it's, it's quite amazing uh, that there's such a large um, footprint without Baptist, independent Baptist churches in our state. Um, and... Um, when I when it, when when I was start was thinking about this, I thought, well, I know exactly why there's no churches there because they're just little towns. You know, who wants to go plant a church in a town of 400 or 500? And then we got to doing uh, some research. We realized that uh, we're not talking about towns of a few hundred people. We're talking about towns of thousands of people um, that don't have an independent Baptist church. And so. Um, I'm going to run through a list and uh, see if the guy in the back can keep up, but um, just to give you a visual of, of the, the different uh, cities or towns um, that we have in Iowa, um, there's Winterset with a population of over 5,000, there's Creston, um, over 7,800, Atlantic, over 7,000, Emmitsburg, over 3,900, Clear Lake, over 7,700 in population, Orange City, uh, over 6,000. Forest City, over 4,000. Algona, over 5,400. Uh, Spirit Lake, over 4,800. Humboldt, over 4,600 people. Perry, 7,500. Uh, Carroll, over 9,800. Denison, over 8,300. Osage, over 3,500. Cresco, over 3,700. Decorah, over 7,700. New Hampton, 
over 3,400, Hampton, over 4,200, Iowa Falls, over 5,000, Manchester, over 5,000, and Dyersville, over 4,200. Um, and then at this next slide here just um, has, that's all the cities I just mentioned. Um, you can see the top third of the state and then some um, west and south of uh, I-35 um, are some of the, the cities or towns I just mentioned. Um, and these are communities that may have a church and they may have some sense of a gospel witness, but they don't have an independent Baptist church. And I'm a, I'm a believer that independent Baptist churches need to uh, reproduce independent Baptist churches. That's the only, only way that we can get more independent Baptist churches, uh, not just in Iowa, but in our country. Um, so it's not like they don't have churches there, but they don't have a church that's standing for the truth, um, standing for separation from the world, taking a stand against compromise that's happening in the modern day churches. Uh, we, have, um, over, we have counties that don't even have an independent Baptist church in the whole county um, up in Iowa. Um, and, and so we need laborers to come to our state and help start churches in these communities. One that wasn't on here is just more recent. Um, I was talking to um, a pastor just um, last week, and he's um, kind of basically shutting down his church and moving on. And there's a church building that's paid for, um, and it needs to be restarted uh, just with, with some issues that went in with that church. But there's a there's a church building that's paid for, and it's in the city of Mason City, which has 27,000 um, in population, and there's no independent Baptist church in, in that. I mean, that's a very large population. Um, and then and we could talk about uh, the, the larger cities. Des Moines Metro has over 650,000 people. We have five independent Baptist churches to reach them. Um, the greater Des Moines area, according to businessrecord.com, is, is growing faster than... Chicago, Omaha, Kansas City, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, and St. Louis. Um, so it is a, it's a, uh, a very fast-growing um, Midwest city. Um, Cedar Rapids area, 258,000. There's four independent Baptist churches there. 150,000 in the Iowa City metro. We have three independent Baptist churches there. Davenport, over 100,000 with maybe one or two independent Baptist churches. There's four, close to 400,000 in the Quad Cities metro area, just a handful of churches. Um, Ames has a metro population of 90,000 with one known um, independent Baptist church. And um, so um, God has uh, led uh, us to, uh, myself and some other pastors in our state, to set up a, um, a, a ministry um, or a fellowship or whatever we call it. But um, when, when young men or young couples um, feel called to come and plant a, a church in Iowa, what we have set up is a, a easy, in a sense, an easy way to get started. Um, and a part of that is a two-year internship that, um, with some curriculum and such that someone could go through if they needed some more training, um, if, if you know, they're coming right out of Bible college or something. Um, but then we have a network of churches. Um, you're familiar with uh, Landon Edminster, um, who graduated from here. When he came to start his church in Postville, um, basically what I did was I set up all his meetings for him um, and, and basically raised his support. Um, there's about 30 to 40 churches um, that I'm in contact with that are ready to help church planners in Iowa. And uh, so you don't have to spend two years on deputation trying to raise money. Um, I think he, he's raised his support and what he's needed um, and it took three or four, maybe five months um, while he was planning the church. And we, we did it. We have it set up so it's by region. You can go and, and visit all the churches in that region so you're not um, back and, and forth. So, so our goal is to connect and network together when a church planner is called to our state to help them with uh, a monthly support, maybe a one-time offering, um, boots on the ground to help with canvassing and, and different things. 
uh, physical support to help you get started. Um, and uh, just reminded in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And uh, so um, I know maybe someone in here, you're, you're burdened about missions. You know how... Uh, you know how we can help missions, worldwide missions, by planting more churches. Um, we, we planted a church about three years ago, I'll tell you a little bit about in, in the message. Um, and uh, they're, they're supporting, um, I think, six missionaries now. Those are six missionaries that our church wouldn't be able to take on for more support, but now they are supporting missionaries that our church couldn't support. But because we helped start a church out of our church, missions is being helped and, and more souls are being reached and, and uh, you know so that's that's you know one of the keys to worldwide missions is more churches to support more missionaries and so just want to challenge you just real quick with that and, and uh, looking at at that map of, of Iowa and, and seeing all those stars as a, as a city um, with people in it that need a gospel witness that need a, a church an independent Baptist church to be planted um, someone going there and, and uh, with the leadership of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and we have other churches that will help um, those that are called to our state to um, get, um, get started and get going. And um, so if that's something you're interested in, I'll be around uh, through the lunch hour and, and be glad to talk if you have any more questions. And I'm just kind of moving quickly through that so we can get to the, um, our Bible message today. But um, that's, that's a burden that we have and I encourage you to pray about planning a church, um, maybe not just in Iowa, that's my burden, but uh, maybe your state that you come from or region or um, but certainly consider Iowa when you think of the need that uh, we have there. Let's take our Bibles and, and turn to Acts chapter 10, if you would, please, this morning. Acts chapter number 10. And I'll pray and, and then we'll get started here in Acts chapter number 10 this morning. Thank you, Lord, for... Your word, we do, we do thank you for um, the, the opportunity that we have um, in Iowa to help people come to our state and, and to plant churches and to be a support network for those um, men and, and their families to come and, and uh, to um, spread the gospel and, and uh, to reach communities for you. It's uh, such a wonderful thing to uh, be in a community where the church can um, impact the whole community and uh, we're, we're thankful for that, and, and uh, we, we trust that uh, you will um, just uh, bring um, folks to our state that uh, can help us see more churches started and, and more churches planted. We thank you uh, for the vision of other pastors in our state to, to see church planters come and, and to support them, and we're, we're grateful for that. Lord, we open your word, and, and uh, just one thought to challenge us this morning. We uh, do ask that uh, you would take your word and, and uh, that uh, you would... Uh, just use it in our hearts, our lives this morning and, and uh, give us uh, a challenge that will go with us, Lord, not just to the door and to be left behind, but uh, to, to live out in our, in our upcoming days and our lives. We, we just uh, thank you so much for this opportunity and uh, we ask that your, your blessing uh, would be upon your word this morning. In Jesus' name would you pray, amen. 
By the time we get to Acts chapter 10, the first century church is on a roll. People were getting saved. People were getting baptized. People were joining the church, as it says earlier in Acts, on a daily basis. The batches of new converts were numbering in the thousands. Um, There's 3,000 at Pentecost. Another time mentions 5,000. Another time mentions multitudes. Um, the, with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, these converts were solid, faithful believers. They weren't the fickle people that just followed Jesus till the miracle stopped or till the, the food uh, went away, but they, they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Uh, we also know from Early Acts, that uh, persecution comes along. Chapter 7, we have Stephen being stoned, the first martyr. Uh, we have Saul of Tarsus doing his best to wreak havoc in the church. Um, we have, in chapter 8, we have great persecution against the church, and the believers are scattered. But what they did as they were scattered, they just kept preaching the word and sharing the word as they were being scattered. Um, in chapter 8, we have a man named Simon, the sorcerer trusting Christ. Philip leads the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ in chapter 8. By chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus has come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and has been added um, to that New Testament church. And so we get this uh, idea of the early church history and the converts. And, and what we realize is that most of the focus is to the Jews. Yet in Acts 1.8, it clearly tells um, Jesus clearly told his disciples they were to go into all the world um, and, and, and start in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, then go to the othermost parts of the world because God loved the world. Um, and that's uh, still true today. God loves everyone in the world. He still loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and that hasn't changed. And so um, they, they were told way back in Acts chapter 1, no matter of a person's race or no matter of their social status or no matter of their position, it doesn't cause God to love them more or less. We need to reach the world. That's your job as disciples. And uh, so God's desire eventually was that Jews and Gentiles would be one in Christ. Um, and, and you're familiar with there is some great prejudice that went on between the Jews and the, the Gentiles, the Jews would consider the Gentiles to be dogs and, and just uh, look down upon them. Um, they, they would, some Jews uh, would even go through a ritualistic process to cleanse themselves after coming in contact with a Gentile. And God was about to show the, the New Testament church that it was time to reach not just Jews, but it was time to reach the Gentiles with the gospel. God wanted the gospel to go freely into the Gentile world, first through Peter and then more mightily through the Apostle Paul. So enter Cornelius, and he is the, the subject matter of Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the, Ital of the band called the Italian band. Verse 2 says, a devout man and one that feared God with all this house, which gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. So we're introduced to this man, this Gentile man named Cornelius. He's described as a centurion. Um, he was a Roman soldier. He had um, a command over a, a 100 other soldiers from I Italy, and he was stationed there in Caesarea. And he apparently was a man that was seeking for the truth. We, we noticed that the Bible says about him he was devout, he feared God, um, he gave alms to the people. He prayed to God always. He wasn't a born-again believer, but he was seeking 
after God. He was seeking for the truth. Uh, not unlike people still today, seeking for the truth. They're, they, they're religious, but they're lost. And that's, that's kind of the category that Cornelius finds himself in. We, we go down further in the chapter, and, and we see that he sees in a vision, send for a man named Peter. He's going to come and help you with what your desire is. He's going to help you understand what you're seeking after. And then uh, we have, uh, the, as the chapter goes on, we, we find Peter... Um, starting in verse 9, he goes up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he was very hungry. It was about noon. He became very hungry. He would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he sees this vision. He sees, uh, saw the heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet, knit at four corners, and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of forthwith beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And so this, this happens three times, and the answer is, verse 15, the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that uh, call not thou common. And, and so this vision happens three different times, it goes away, and, and Peter's trying to figure out what is going on, what did I just see, how do I interpret this um, vision that I've seen? And while he's thinking on those things, some people come, and knock on the door, and um, verse 19, while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And so God is preparing Peter to go reach what traditionally the Jews would think of unclean and, and uh, not, not worthy of reaching the Gentile people, and uh, to get over that prejudice and to get over um, what was holding them back, and to get the gospel to the whole world, because that's why Christ has died. And, and we, we read uh, that Peter was obedient to that vision. Peter comes, and he comes down, and he says, apparently God wants me to go with you, and I understand now what he was talking about. And he goes, and he, he goes with the group, these servants that have come, to take him back to uh, Cornelius. And uh, so I want to bring our attention to verse 24 here. Just quickly, just uh, point out a, a thought uh, to challenge us with um, here this morning. Verse 24 says this, And the morrow, after they had entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Uh, Cornelius was what we might uh, refer to as a person of peace. He had it wasn't just him now, he had called together some family members and he called together some, some near friends of his. But I want to look at a statement that's made uh, here in verse 24. It says, and Cornelius waited for them. And Cornelius waited for them. And I want to just challenge you in the few minutes here that we have left this morning with this thought, your Cornelius is waiting. Your Cornelius is waiting. You know, there are people that in your life, God has prepared them and God has convicted them and God has drawn them and God has loved them and they're just waiting for you to tell them the gospel, to share with them the good news. I'm convinced and... and uh, um, it would take a lot of convincing to, to help me not be convinced of this, but I, I, I believe and I'm convinced that every one of us has a Cornelius waiting on us somewhere. Maybe not just one, but many. 
There are people all around us that are waiting for someone to bring the gospel, the truth. You know, at one point in time, you were a Cornelius. You were the one waiting for someone to tell you the truth. It might have been as a child like, like myself. It was, uh, I was just a young child, and, and my parents were born-again Christians, and, and uh, I, I was able to receive the gospel at an early age. But I was waiting. Someone had to tell me. And if you're a born-again Christian here today, someone had to tell you. You were a Cornelius at one point, but now that you have the truth, now that you have been given what God has, uh, just that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, there are Corneliuses all around us that are waiting for someone just to come and maybe uh, share with them the truth and crying out to God. Think of what Cornelius was like. He was a religious man, but he was a lost man. Think of people that you might come in contact with and, and, uh, and they're crying out to God, God help me, I need help here, I need help, I need hope. I need something, and, and they look at the world around them, and they don't see any hope. They, don't, they see darkness, and they see evil, and they see destruction, and they see nothing that is going to offer them uh, uh, what they're seeking for, and, and they're crying out to God and saying, God, if you're there, God, if you're real, will you just send me some truth? And you might be the one that God wants to send to them, because they're your Cornelius, we have a, a town, uh, I live in, uh, our church is in a, a very small uh, town, about 1,700 people, so we're a, a, in a very rural, rural area. About uh, 10, 15 miles to our west is a town of about 15,000 people, and, and so often we go there to do some door knocking and, and outreach, and I remember a few years ago I was knocking on a particular street, door knocking, and, and it seemed like um, several people on the street went to the local, um, it's called Indianola Community Church, just a uh, um, uh, just a contemporary type church. And, and finally, there was several on one side of the street that went there and, and finally knocked on someone's door and they said, oh yeah, we go to ICC and, and, uh, um, and uh, we've, we've been going there for a while and, and we've just been out and inviting and, and a lot of our neighbors have just started going there with us and, and uh, we've just, uh, uh, as they moved in, we've been able to see them come and, and we've invited them and I said, yeah, I've noticed there's a lot of people on your street that go to, the, to ICC and they said, yeah, we, we're the ones that we reached out to them, we invited them to come and, and I, I think that uh, ICC, you know, they, um, you know, I think they, they preach uh, a, a, a gospel message, but that's about all that they do, if you understand what I'm saying. They don't have um, biblical convictions and biblical standards about a, a really anything, and, and, um, and I'm thankful that maybe the gospel's going out, but I, I wondered to myself as I was walking or going home that day from door knocking, I, I wondered to myself, man, if, if, if we could have got there just a little bit sooner to that street... Would those people have been into, uh, been able to come and been interested in coming to a church where they could have got some truth and got some grounding and got some uh, maturing in their faith? You see, there's some Corneliuses that are waiting and sometimes we don't reach them because we're just not very diligent in reaching people. Well, it's just not convenient. I'm busy. I don't have time to stop and talk. Uh, um, I've, I've got other things to do. And so, I mean, I, I, could, I, I could spend a little bit more time knocking on more doors, but I've got to get back and I've got my life to live. And, and oftentimes we're missing some Corneliuses that they're just waiting. They, they want truth. They, they desire truth. They, they want to hear from God. They, they want to grow in their faith, but there's no one there to tell them. I tell you that there's Corneliuses that maybe need to be picked up for church this Sunday. And someone needs to get to them before it's eternally too late.
There's Corneliuses that are at your workplace. They're, they're sick and tired of living with their addictions and their habits and, and their, their marriage that is falling to pieces and existing with no purpose in life. And, and they're sitting across the, the break room from you. They're in the next cubicle over or, or they're the ones that you work with and interact with every day. And, and they, they mask it well, but they're just like a Cornelius that's waiting for someone to come along and give them what they need. Those Corneliuses that are waiting maybe in a local jail, they've hit rock bottom and there's no place to go but up and they're literally waiting for someone to care enough to show up and offer hope to them and, and uh, uh, their, their family is embarrassed at what they've done and, and their friends have now deserted them because they're in the penitentiary and, and they know they've lived a wrong lifestyle and, and they're just waiting for someone just to reach out to them and not look down at them, but reach out to them in love and share with them that there is a God in heaven that loves them and cares for them. That's maybe where your Cornelius is. We can talk about maybe a local nursing home or a assisted living center that people are forgotten and alone and they need to hear the saving gospel of Jesus Christ one more time in the twilight of their life. Who's going to reach them? There's Corneliuses that are waiting in our communities. They're praying for answers to their questions. They're, they're wanting a church um, and waiting for someone to start a church that preaches truth. They, they would come if someone would just invite them. They would come if someone would just knock on their door. They would come if someone would maybe give them a, a, an invite or a tract from the church. They would, but they don't because they don't know about this place or my, my church or your home church. They just don't know because someone hasn't reached out to them. We've had several people uh, over in the last uh, few, uh, within the last year, year and a half, that have uh, come from a, another uh, a local church and, and they, they've started coming to our church and, and they, uh, they just, they almost weekly, they say, I just can't believe that this church has existed where the Bible is preached and we can hear truth and I didn't think churches like this existed anymore. Those are the Corneliuses that you can reach. Sometimes we get in this, this, this mindset that, oh, they go to these rock and roll churches and they're, they love the entertainment. And, and, that's, and it's, some people do, but I guarantee you there are people in those churches that don't like what they're seeing, but they don't know what to do about it. One lady that came to our church from another um, uh, uh, from this one other church who said, we went to that church for 17 years. Get ready to wrap your mind about this. 17 years, she said, in 17 years, two people came to know Jesus Christ. And she said, I was the one that led them both. After the service, because we didn't do an invitation, after the service, I went up to them and I talked to them and led them to Christ. 17 years. And I'm thinking, why in the world would you want to stay there? But we just didn't know where else to go. You see, there's Corneliuses that we can reach. And you might be working with them right now. They might be your next door neighbors at home. They might be someone that you'll meet out knocking on the door or leaving a brochure or handing a track to that um, uh, someone that's uh, working the cashier. Maybe it's some Cornelius on a mission field that maybe God is calling you to a mission field nationally or internationally. And there's a village that you can reach and there's a, a tribe that you can reach or there's a people group that you can reach. And there's a Cornelius, they're longing and they're waiting and they're, they're wanting what you have. And, and they just need you to show up and obey God and say, God, give me a vision for the Cornelius that's waiting for me. 
I don't know where your Cornelius is waiting, but I do know that you need to be doing everything that you can to find them. Be busy about the, the great commission, not living in disobedience, but obeying that command of God to go out and to spread the gospel. The, the further we get away from the ascension of our Lord in, in history, it seems like the, the, the more lax, uh, lax we're becoming in reaching people for Jesus Christ. The more time goes by, maybe we just think, well... It never happened in several generations before me. He's not going to come back in my generation. And, and that the devil wants to deceive us. The devil wants to get us uh, lazy in this area because he doesn't want you to reach these Corneliuses that, well, by the way, that are, it's not just to reach them, but their kinsmen and their near friends, those people of peace, those persons of peace. So my challenge is to uh, ask God God, lead me to my Cornelius this week. God, I promise that when you point someone out to me that needs to know the truth, I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to make a commitment to obey revealed truth like Peter obeyed when you revealed in that vision to him that he, what he should do. God, help me overcome my fear and overcome my prejudice. It's, it's sad sometimes we try to play God, don't we? That person will listen, but that person won't. That's not our decision. We don't know who the Holy Spirit's been working on. We don't know who the Father's been drawing to the Son. It's not, not up for us to say, well, I'm going to hand that person a track because they look like they would listen, and that person looks like they have money. They probably won't listen. No, it's whoever the Holy Spirit, those divine appointments that the Holy Spirit gives to you, those are your Cornelius's. God, help me overcome my fear and prejudice. Help me to reach out to someone with the gospel message this week. Lord, shall I plant a church, those 25 or so cities in Iowa that need someone to come and, and just give the gospel and to, uh, to uh, open up the word of God and say, thus saith the Lord, this is how you can live. This is how you can be different. This is how God expects you to live. This is how you can be blessed of God. Someone needs to do it. It's not like there's not Cornelius is waiting we just need Peters to go. We need you to go. God needs me to go. It was the fall of 2014. We were having a revival week at our church, and during that week of revival, there was a man on our staff named Brett Horseman that he answered the call to, to plant a church. And uh, as he prayed about where God wanted him to plant the church, um, he felt the Lord leading him to plant a church in Waukee, Iowa, which is a suburb of Des Moines. It's in west, a suburb of West Des Moines. It's about 40 minutes from our church. And, and so it was, it was about a three-year process between him uh, preparing and, and uh, uh, everything. So three years later, in the spring of 2017, um, Grace Baptist Church was born. They, they started in a community center like many church plants do. And and uh, for about a year and a half, and they were able to finally get a building to lease. They were able to renovate it. Now it's their, their permanent uh, home, and, and uh, uh, God, God blessed them, and, and God's put some, some people in their, in their church and some core families in their church, and they now, after about three, they just have their three-year anniversary. They run about 40 to 50 in attendance every week, and um, the Lord's just blessing and using uh, that young man and his, his wife and, and their, their son there. And, and uh, it's just a, a neat thing to see. One of the, one of the people 
Um, one of the, uh, some of the members of that church, Grace Baptist Church, is it's a three-generation family. There's the grandparents, and then their, I think it's a daughter and husband, and then, of course, their children. So three, three-generation um, family that's in that church that um, has been faithful from day one. Well, come to find out, that three-generation family back in 2014, um, the, the year, the fall that God laid on Brett Horseman's heart to go plant a church and then led him to Waukee. And in the fall or in the late summer of 2014, that family, they were going to a church, but it was all the way across town and, and it was just really wasn't convenient. And, and they began to pray in 2014, God, send a church planner to Waukee. God, send someone to start a church in Waukee. That was the same, about the same time that God called Brett, um, Pastor Horseman, and uh, led him to um, start a church in the Waukee area. And while they were praying, God was calling. And when God was calling, uh, Brett was answering. And when Brett showed up and we began to be up there and distribute and, and, and uh, literature and, and different things, and this family found out about it, they said, we've been praying for three years that God would send someone to start a church here in Waukee. And Brett was the answer to God's prayer. Brett, unbeknownst to him, had a couple Cornelius's already waiting. He just had to say yes to the Lord. They were there. They were waiting. They've been there from day one. I was just up there for a revival meeting a couple weeks ago, and they're still there. They're still coming. They're still faithful. I say, but I don't, I don't know. The mission field, I just don't know. The church planning, I just don't know. Or a full-time ministry, I just don't know. No, just, just obey God. Just follow his leadership. God, no doubt, has some Corneliuses waiting for you to touch, for you to reach, for you to help. Just trust that he does. God is not going to call you to do something that he's not going to help you to do. And maybe there's a family waiting for a church to be planted. Maybe there's a, a people group calling out to God saying, send us someone with the truth. Maybe there's someone that you know even now at your workplace or in this community um, or your home community that's waiting for you to recognize them as your Cornelius. Your Cornelius is waiting for you. Are you going to find him? If you don't, who's going to? Someone has to. Why not you? Let's bow, if we could, for a word of prayer and just take a couple minutes and, and just challenge you. Would, you. would you make a commitment to God this morning? God, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go reach my Cornelius. God, I believe you have someone for me to reach. God, I promise you that you, with your Holy Spirit, when you put a burden on my heart for someone that I should talk to, someone I should share the truth with, someone I should invite to church, I'm going to obey you. God, I don't know who they are or where they are. Maybe we're, now we're thinking of our future. I don't know who they are or where they are, but Lord, I believe there's a Cornelius waiting for me somewhere. Lord, help me to be faithful to you so I don't miss that opportunity. Lord, lead me to my Cornelius. And that's our challenge this morning. And I trust that you would maybe pray and ask the Lord, um, make a promise to God, commit to God. I'll reach my Cornelius I'll be faithful to do what you lead me to do. Would you stand and, and the piano will play and, and maybe it's up front or maybe at your seat. Just pray and talk to God about what he's talked to you about this morning. Your Cornelius is waiting. Will you go reach them? Will you go find them?